As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray. Holy God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, illumine your word. As we hear it read and proclaimed, open our hearts, our minds, our souls to hear what you have to say to us today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, Matthew's version of Jesus' baptism. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Apollo Robbins might just be the world's most talented pickpocket. Fortunately, he doesn't make his living as a thief, but as an entertainer who steals people's things and then returns them for show. Several years ago, at a gathering of magicians, Robbins met Penn Gillette of the magic act Penn and Teller. Gillette had heard of Robbins and wanted to see him in action, but Robbins politely refused, saying that working in front of other magicians made him too nervous. Besides, he said Gillette only had on shorts and a sports shirt, which didn't give him much to work with. Come on, Gillette urged, steal something from me. No, Robin said, but he would do a magic trick. He told Gillette to take off his ring and trace it on a piece of paper with a pen. In front of the small crowd that had gathered, Gillette took off his ring, put it on the paper, and then took a pen from his shirt pocket and prepared to use it. Suddenly, he froze and his face turned pale. No way he said. Robbins then held up a small metal cylinder for everyone to see. It was the cartridge from Gillette's pen. Robbins is a master pickpocket because he understands human beings have limited attention. Attention is like the money in our pockets. There's a finite amount. Although Robbins is soft-spoken and calm, if you watch him closely, you'll notice he is constantly moving and talking. He makes small talk, asks people questions, gives them directions, and while he's got them focused on their right hands, he's stealing the watches off their left. When we think of misdirection, he says, we think of looking off to the side when actually The things right in front of us are often the hardest to see. When it came to attention, 
John the Baptist was laser-focused on sin. John, who was believed to be Jesus' cousin, was out in the Judean wilderness preaching the same sermon Jesus would preach when his ministry begins, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As a sign of repentance, John was baptizing anyone who came to him at the River Jordan. This act of dunking a person underwater was a form of the Jewish ritual bath called a mikvah. Faithful Jews would immerse themselves in the mikvah before entering the holy temple. Women would use the mikvah before getting married. And every convert to Judaism would immerse in the mikvah as the final act of conversion. The mikvah John offered, scripture tells us, was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The Greek verb baptizo, from which we get our word baptism, means to wash something vigorously, like you would take a muddy piece of cloth and immerse it in clean water, shaking it around a bit to loosen all the dirt. John was washing people clean of their sin, and he was doing a brisk baptism business. All of John's attention was on sinners. Sinners were his specialty. He could make anyone right with God. But while John was so focused on the sinners standing in line waiting for their dunking, he was completely taken by surprise when Jesus appeared, asking to be baptized. We can understand John's surprise because it's a confusing request. God incarnate, our Lord and Savior, the one human being who walked the earth untainted by sin, comes to be baptized. But if Jesus wasn't there to receive a baptism of repentance, for the forgiveness of sin, then what was his baptism for? John must have wondered the same thing, because when he realized that the next person in line to be dunked was none other than Jesus himself, he couldn't fathom what was happening. I need you to baptize me, he says. In response, Jesus utters the first words he speaks in Matthew's gospel which our translation renders, let it be. Let it be, Jesus says. This is how it has to happen. This is how we fulfill all righteousness. With these words, Jesus is inviting John and us to shift our attention away from baptism as a ritual that cleanses us from sin and to instead see baptism as a transformative moment that communicates who and whose we are. Jesus shows up to be baptized by John because it is time for his ministry to begin. And in order for him to be ready for all that lies ahead, he must first submit to these waters place his life in his cousin's hands, and say yes to God's claim and call.
This is not just water as a medium that washes clean. It is water that represents a whole new reality. The Pixar movie Soul features two characters, Joe, a middle school band teacher whose life hasn't quite gone the way he expected, and 22, an indifferent soul who for centuries has refused to accept the purpose for which souls exist, to experience the gift of life on earth by living as a human being. 22 just can't see any benefit from heading down to earth and inhabiting a human body. From what she has seen, humans are simply too changeable, too selfish, too uninteresting to make that journey worthwhile. She prefers to stick with the reality she knows. Then, 22 unexpectedly spends a few days in Joe's body on earth, and while immersed in this whole new way of being, she discovers some surprising joys of being human. The taste of pizza, the wonder of a helicopter seed spinning down from a tree, the gift of music, the joy of dancing, the forgiveness and love of family. It turns out Life on earth is a whole new reality 22 could not have imagined without experiencing it. When we hear the word repentance, we probably think of admitting and seeking forgiveness for something we've done wrong. But this word in Greek, metanoia, was used to describe something or someone turning around heading in a whole new direction. Episcopal priest Cynthia Bourgeau points out that the literal meaning of metanoia is to go beyond the mind or into the larger mind. In other words, to consent to the transformative possibility that there is more to this world and this life than we can imagine, especially when we have fixed our attention on ourselves and on our failures or accomplishments. While John focused his attention on repentance as turning away from our sin, Jesus seems to have this larger meaning in mind. To repent is to go beyond the identity given to us by the world and to consent to our identity as God's beloved, those whom God has claimed and called. In describing the mikvah taken by someone who is converting to Judaism, Rabbi Maurice Lamb writes that the immersion in water requires the candidate to place himself or herself in a radically different physical environment, in water rather than air. This leaves the person floating, momentarily suspended without breathing, substituting the usual forward-moving nature and purposeful stride that characterize his or her waking movements with an aimlessness 
a weightlessness, a detachment from the former environment. Individuality, passion, ego, all are submerged. He continues, no other symbolic act can so totally embrace a person as being submerged in water, which must touch and cover every lesion, every strand of hair, every birthmark. No other religious act is so freighted with meaning as this one, which touches every aspect of life and proclaims a total commitment to a new idea and a new way of life as it swallows up the old and gives birth to the new. The waters of baptism represent a whole new reality, one that requires us to pay attention to the identity God gives us. These words of Jesus at his baptism, let it be, remind us that baptism for Jesus and for us is a radical act of consent, of surrender to our identity as God's beloved, God's chosen. For Jesus, this identity takes priority over everything else in his life his familial identity as a son and a brother, his religious identity as a Jew, his professional identity as a carpenter and then as a rabbi and teacher of Jewish law, his relational identity as a friend. In baptism, Jesus allows all of these identities to yield to his identity as God's beloved claimed and called to reveal the breadth and depth of God's love and the power and might of God's justice. Today, as we remember our baptism, we are invited again to consent, to surrender to this identity as those loved and claimed and called by God. As it did for Jesus, this means all our other identities must yield to this one. There's nothing easy about this, for the world constantly tells us that other loyalties are more important. But in remembering our baptism, we consent to the truth that we are not first a spouse or partner, child or parent, friend or enemy. We are not first the degrees we have earned, the profession we have chosen, or the possessions we have acquired. We are not first citizens of a particular country, members of a political party, or loyalists to an elected official. The promise of baptism is that before we are anything else, we are loved and claimed and called by God. When we consent to this identity, we declare our allegiance to that truth above all others. We repent, as Jesus called us to do, entering a whole new reality where the parameters of mercy and justice are established by God.
The things we pay attention to define us and direct our actions. Today, we turn our attention to our baptism, that we may live immersed in God's grace and truth. Let it be. Amen.